following our wonderful series in, uh, in the Lent Manual, um, the book that Pastor Josh shared with us a couple of weeks ago, written by uh, my roommate at Harvard University when I was there, the Reverend Dr. Mike Browder, and worked hard on that. And uh, so following that text, uh, we'll be focusing our remarks on the Gospel of St. John, or St. Jean, as the French say, or the Gospel of Giovanni, as the Italians say. Chapter 13. And the verses in question are 18 through 32. But I'd like to expand the context a little to include several of the verses before verse 18 through 32. If you'll follow me there in your Bible app on your phone or um, in your hard copy Bible, which I prefer, okay, being a traditionalist. Um, and, and begin to read the passage. So let's first look at chapter 13, verse 1. If you have it, say amen. amen. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto his Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Isn't the love of Jesus amazing? In another place he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't the love of Jesus amazing? That when you and I were living in darkness... The light of Jesus Christ lit our hearts up with joy, forgave our sins, and loves you and me to the end. That is, Jesus' love is endless and eternal. And when it says he loved his own there, it means the 12 disciples, the 12 disciples that he loved his own to the end. And he's talking about the end of his life on earth that's coming straight upon him as he gathers us together for uh, their last supper together. Including there where it says he loved his own to the end is Judas. That Jesus loved Judas as much as he loved any of the other disciples, maybe except for John. Jesus loved Judas with all his heart. The next verse is, and supper being ended, the devil, in Greek, diabolos, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, 
Simon's son to betray him so that the devil put a seed of evil in the heart of Judas, a seed of evil. And you, those of you know that a seed at the appointed time will bear fruit. Whether the seed is a seed of grace and love that will bear fruit or whether the seed is a seed of evil that bears resentment, bitterness, and at the end of it all, self-pity. What kind of seed is in our heart? And supper being ended, the devil put a seed in the heart of Judas Iscariot. And he rises up from supper, verse 4, and Jesus laid aside his garments and took a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, what are you doing? Jesus said, I'm washing your feet. Peter said, I won't have any of it. You will not wash my feet. Peter's remark was proper in the sense that a king, the king of the universe, a king messiah, a king hamelik aulam, the king of the universe. Peter was right in the sense that a king does not bow down to watch his servant's feet. That is absolutely undignified for a king to bow down and scrub the disciples' feet. In fact, when he came to Judas, he bowed down before Judas and he began to wash Judas' feet and he began to scrub the heel of the foot that was lifted up against him even after he gave him the sop of bread. He scrubbed that heel. Psalm 49.1 gave prophecy. And the prophecy was that the one that eats out of my plate, the one I call friend, because in the Near Eastern culture, before you begin a meal or as you begin a meal to those that are close to you, you reach in with the bread and dip it in the sauce and then you give it to them in their mouth. Has anybody ever done that to their child? I remember as my sons were growing up, the love that Papa showed was exemplified during our high moment barbecues. At the minute that the pork chops were done, the first ones I called were my boys when they were little guys. Come over here, Koba. Josh, come here. Davey. And I gave the meat to them in their mouth. And that was my way of showing love. And they're here looking healthy today. <laughs> Clap right. And, you know, the joy of it is, is to see that type of earthly discipleship carried on to the third generation, as they call the Kaikais and the Judas and the Elishas and the Tutis and the, and the 
and the Lolas and the, and the Judas that come forth and get a bocadito in their mouth. But that's how much Jesus loved the disciples, including Judas, who's the one that was sitting on Jesus' left. Let's develop the scene of this Last Supper where they're all together. It says that they were reclining, so Leonardo da Vinci has it wrong in his Last Supper. They're not sitting at a table. The Near Eastern culture had everybody sitting, reclining on pillows and couches next to one another, eating, sitting on the floor. And so we know that John, the beloved, the teenager in the group, he was 15 or 16. That's why it says Jesus loved him. He was the beloved apostle, leaning on Jesus' chest. And... Um, Judas was probably on his left because Jesus would probably have him close enough to be able to dip the bread into the sauce and then give it to Judas in his mouth. You didn't do it that to anybody but a friend. In fact, when they came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas came forward, full of Satan by that time, Jesus says, friend. And Judas kissed Jesus. And I don't know if there's an ambiguity there in this kiss that Judas somehow knew that maybe it was the last one. But that also signaled to the Romans that this was the one they were looking for. And then we go to verse 18 in the operative passage where Jesus says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Judas just lifted up that washed heel to prepare to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Does anybody remember that story? To betray the Son of God, to betray the one that loved him for three years, that fed him for three years, that walked with him for three years, for 30 pieces of grungy silver. How much is Jesus worth to you? How much is Jesus worth to me? Lest we think of ourselves any better than Judas. Lest we think that we can judge Judas. Oh, that dastardly criminal. That guy that betrayed Jesus. That traitor. The one that kissed. How many of us have walked up to Jesus and gave him that traitorous kiss? How many of us here today? are betraying Jesus in our own lives. And yet we'd say, oh, I'd never do what Judas did, but there's a Judas nature in each one of us. There's sin in each one of us. Easily be said. That's a negative clap. It's hard to clap for a cloud of evil, but let's clap anyway in the sense that Maybe that person is a newcomer and they feel bad because they're the only ones 
waving their palms. But lest any of us think of ourselves as scot-free of sin, we sin every day. We break God's law every day. We're disobedient every day. We struggle with our human nature. Every single one of us. There's a good side in us, and there's a bad side in us. And yet, as broken, as fragile as we are, as dark as our thoughts are, as deep as our resentments are for the people that have done us wrong that we'll never forgive, as hurt and as pained as we are by what misfortune or what the devil is gonna do, what we've done to ourselves, as broken as we are, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, because just as broken as you and Judas were and me, Jesus loves us just the way we are. Because love knows, knows no bounds. Love knows no bounds. He loves us to the end. How could he love me? How could he love you? There's no answer to the depth of God's love. Broader than the ocean. Higher than the sky. Greener than the grass is the love of God for you and for me. In spite of who we are, God is good to us. In spite of who we are. You don't have to do anything to God to prove to God that you're good enough to get to heaven. As Pastor Josh was saying, there's nothing you can do, nothing I can do that will have God look at me with mercy. God's mercy is not expecting for you to be good to get to heaven. There's nobody good but Jesus Christ. It is by his grace and mercy that he overlooks our sin when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The only precondition for salvation is to place the faith that God has put in your heart and mind in his son, Jesus Christ, and that's enough to be declared righteous before God. You should shout and say Hosanna right there. As many of us that have been forgiven of our sins, maybe, maybe you haven't yet. Maybe you're so, you're, you came to church and you're close to Jesus, but you're not close to Jesus' heart. Like Judas was real close to Jesus. You couldn't get any closer to Jesus than through religion. The altar is the devil's last bastion. The devil's at the altar. And now I said, no, 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 don't pray that. She'll never forgive you. You see, oh my God, a bunch of hypocrites. He's right there. The devil's here right now. But we bind and rebuke you in the name of Jesus. He follows Jesus everywhere Jesus went. The devil was following him, trying to tempt him. Everywhere. You know, it says in the beginning that the devil put a seed in, in Judas's heart, but by the time the supper was over, that seed had grown into a tree. And David was, and, and Judas was possessed, not by a demon. You ever heard of people possessed by demons? He wasn't possessed by a demon. He wasn't, he wasn't even, pay attention, he wasn't even possessed by a legion. 
He was possessed by Satan himself. And yet Jesus loved him, hoping to the very end, somehow, some, some way that maybe this was not the son of perdition that was predicted by the prophets. He didn't stand up and say, Judas, get out of the Lord's Supper. There's some churches that don't feed the Lord's Supper to people unless they're perfect. That's wrong-headed doctrine. The Lord opens up his meal and his heart and his blood and his salvation to all those who believe. If you're a sinner, you take it anyway if you want. God's not telling you don't take it. He didn't tell Judas in the supper, don't take it. You're out of here. Get this guy out of here. Peter, Thomas, take your swords out. Drive him out of this room. We can't stand it. There was a sinner. There was a, a buku bunch of sinners at the Lord's meal. Thank God that Jesus doesn't treat us for what we deserve. But thank God that he treats us by his excellent mercy and his amazing grace that overlooks who we are because of the love of his son in us. That's what it means to be justified by, justified by grace, right? We're set straight, my friend, by the love of God, not by how good I am or how bad I'm not but how good God is. They had seen Jesus heal the blind. They had jumped up celebrating with that blind man. The disciples were jumping up celebrating when he raised up the little dead girl. The whole place went nuts. Disciples, friends jumped up and went nuts when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. And the mummy came out of the tomb and Jesus said, unwind the mummy. He's trying to breathe. There was celebration. It wasn't just a dry spectacle. Jesus healed this guy. He healed that woman. The woman that came crawling up to him with the issue of blood. <clears throat> this rich lady that had spent all of her money on doctors, which means she was rich and wealthy and yet unclean. Did he turn around and say, you dirty dog? I'm a rabbi. Don't make me unclean by your bloody issue. No. He loved her. He says, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Stand up and clap. And everybody started jumping around, yelling. While the Roman colonel's daughter died, Jesus got caught up heeding someone else. If Jesus doesn't do what you pray to him to do, don't worry about it. He'll be, he'll be back. He's on his own time schedule. How many of us give up on God because he doesn't show up? Like, you know, every 1st and 15th. What happened? It's Cesar Chavez Day. He doesn't deserve a holiday. That old Mexican. Praise God. He may not be on your time and my time. But praise the Lord. He's always on time. Here's 18, I speak not, here's Jesus, I speak not of all of you, as you said. Now I tell you before it come, 
that is that his betrayal, right? Before it comes. That when it is come, that is his betrayal and his road to the cross, you may believe that I am he. Fantastic. Because they didn't know what was going on. They thought this was just a regular supper for Passover. They thought this was just a time to celebrate and enjoy their food and wine and clap each other on the back and then talk about each other and joke around and, and, and see how wonderful Jesus is and uh, just celebrate the miracles that he did. They were having a good time. They did not understand what Jesus was talking about when this dark cloud started coming over the Last Supper and Jesus starts talking about the fact that he's about to die. And look what it says here. In order that you might believe. The word believe is found in, and cognates of the word is found in John 121 times. It's all the gospel of believe, that you and I might believe that Jesus Christ is God himself. Flush on the Jehovah's Witnesses. Who say that Jesus was a creature that God created. When in fact, Jesus has been there with Father God from eternity. And because of the sad problem of this planet floating around in outer space, careening without a purpose, a spiritual direction, lost sinners, a planet that's lost its purpose and has lost its course in the universe, floating around out of whack on the outer recesses of the Milky Way galaxy, forgotten because of our sin, chosen to be the center core of the entire universe. But Adam sinned and passed it on to us, and here we are. And up in the heavenly councils, there was a discussion going on between the ones that created the heavens and the earth and said, let us go down and create them in our own image. There was another discussion later and said, they got a problem down there that's unsolvable. They can't figure out the same question. They can't stop sinning. They're broken. You give them a law and they just can't help it. They try hard, but they can't do it on their own. There's a requirement they can't fulfill. What shall we do? And in the divine council, the second person of the Holy Trinity stood up and he said, here am I. I'll go, Father. And what will you do? I'll take on a human body. And in that body, I will kill sin in it. Sin will never touch me at my core. I will say no to every temptation. And I will overcome in the power of God. And I will prepare this body for you, Father God. That because you require that there will be a holy, sinless sacrifice. That this body will be prepared to be that sacrifice that will redeem all humanity from Satan, from death, and from sin. So that they can be free to glorify you, the purpose for which you made them. Send me, I will go. So Jesus disvested himself of his eternal glory. Stepped down from his throne and came down as a baby and killed sin in a human body. It never touched him. Oh, he was tempted, but he never touched him. Why? Because he was preparing a body 
that God could use that redeem and reconcile us to God and cleanse us of all of our sin. And that's the story of the gospel, that he died for your sins and mine, and that his precious blood is sufficient for you and for me. That's why I love him. Hallelujah. If I was to give you an outline for this sermon, the first point would be, Jesus was unwavering in his purpose. The second point would be, Jesus was unwavering in his love. The third point would be, Jesus was unwavering in his humility. And the last point would be, Jesus was unwavering in his trust and faith in the word of God. Purpose, love, humility, and trust. And as Jesus lives in you and his Holy Spirit, fills your heart and fills my heart, he sets the example for us by being unwavering in the purpose of God for your life. Those of us that are confused today, take heart, friend. Jesus has a great purpose for you. God has a great purpose for you. Your being here today is the first step towards that purpose. If you don't understand it, you're in the right place to clear that up. There's no reason for you to be confused anymore. Stay in touch with Jesus. Stay close. He's got a purpose for you. He'll show you that purpose. I saw my purpose when I was 20 years old. And I'm fulfilling my purpose today, which is just to be a preaching machine. That's all he made me to be. Nothing else. And I'm grateful. Jesus' purpose was to prepare a body for God the Father. God was looking for a lamb that was perfect. That, don't ask me why God required a perfect man to die in order for you and I to be saved. That's God's modus operandi in all the history of anthropology. Throughout the history of anthropology, every culture in the history of the world has sacrificed at the heart of its culture, which is a sign and a symbol highlighted by the Jews that in order to find atonement with God, something innocent must die. In the Aztec culture, it was a virgin. In the Bible, it was God from the beginning of the Bible to the end preparing a man, a perfect man, an immaculate man, untouched by sin. Oh, he was tempted. How many of you know he was tempted? He was tempted by the devil himself in the wilderness. The devil tempted him three times. When he was starving after 40 days of hunger, he said, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus turned the Bible on him and said, man must not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Dummy. And the devil went, oh, 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 o
went running around and then finally came up with another one and came back and said to Jesus, Jesus, do me, you know what, man? Show your power, man. He was trying to get Jesus to be arrogant. You know that an arrogant person would not be the, the humble lamb of God that God would accept on the cross? So really the cross was won in the wilderness. And the devil threw a little, a little scripture out at him, you know. He said, he said, he'll keep your feet from dashing it against a stone. The devil knows the Bible too, backwards and forwards. I mean, he was there when it was written. I mean, he was, he was in the garden. He was a snake. And then, and, and then centuries later, the, the devil, he's an old snake. He's a hissing, fog-emitting snake. He's been around for a long time. And Jesus said, I won't tempt God. And finally he said, look, no, let's for, forget all that other stuff. Let's just get round, round, right down to it. If you just get down on your knees and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you diamonds, pearls, emeralds, rubies. I'll give you power. You'll become a world conqueror. Genghis Khan. Doggone Bolivar. He said, I'm going to worship God alone. There went, oh, 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 that was it. He went howling into the wilderness with the jackals, the hyenas, and the gyenas. Now notice this right here in 19. He said, that you might believe that I am. This is a really interesting little uh, a passage right here. He goes, that, that you might believe that I am. How many of us have heard of the great I ams? I am the good shepherd. I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the vine. Well, in each one of those instances in John... There's something interesting going on in the Greek text and the way it was written. And that's called a double emphatic. A double emphatic that you usually see where Jesus is referring himself to the I am of the Old Testament when Moses said, and who shall I say send me to get your people out of Egypt to let my people go? What is your name? They're going to ask me. Pharaoh's going to ask me, what, your what is your name? And I got to have a name. What's your name? I mean, Moses was hoping that his name was probably Fernando. What is your name? Javier. You hear Jesus' voice coming out of the burning bush. What is your name? Ezekiel, angel. Don't get shook up, brother. Okay. No, you know what God said his name was? I am that I am. Isn't that amazing? Tell him I am that I am. Well, who was that? Figure it out. I am that I am. In my own personal opinion and philosophy, I am that I am means the one that doesn't need anything else to identify by himself to know who he is. Philosophers ought to clap right there. Because everybody here needs to know what they're not or who they're not in order to know who they are. But Jesus doesn't need any over against because he's 
the ultimate supreme being. He defines himself by himself in the Holy Trinity. I know more about Isaac when I know I'm not Wayne. I am that I am. Now look at this little verse right here where it says I am. Guess what? And I like the French translation. It's better than all the other translations as far as including Jerome's Vulgate. In the French translation of certain manuscripts, the I am is right there. The I am that I am. Ego e me. I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. If you add the consonants to Y-H-W-H. Can't pronounce it. The unpronounceable. The ineffable. The tetragrammaton. The four consonants in Hebrew language. That's why they don't pronounce that word. The rabbis don't when they come to it. They use another word. Adonai or Elohim. Out of holiness. Jesus is God. How many of you believe that he's your God? He's my God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Jesus is my God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receives, whoever I send receives me, and he that receives me receives him that sent me. When Jesus had this, said this, he was troubled in his spirit. Why wouldn't he, man? He loved, the, he loved the disciples so much and he knew that one of them was going to betray him and it hurt him. Have you ever loved someone so much and they turn on you? Come on. Has anybody here loved someone so much they turn on you? You get the divorce. You get the separation papers. They turn their back on you. Start fighting over your dad's estate. Before he's even dead. Huh? Is, is, that, is that starting to hit some of us right in here? Maybe you're planning on it? Stay out of it, man. Jesus, it's not, it's not worth the, the, the diabetes. And he testified and he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Right? Then the disciples looked one to another Doubting of whom he spoke. In other words, they didn't know who it was. They didn't even know it was Judas. Then the disciples looked to one another. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's John because every time that John writes about himself, he says the one that Jesus loved. The teenager. And Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be. Of whom he spoke. Now you need to understand. Here's John over here on the right. Here's Judas on the left. Peter's right probably down where John is somewhere. And everything's quiet. And Peter looks at John. And he goes. And John looked at me and goes. Ask him who it is. Right. Judas wasn't on blast. Nobody knew what was going on. So it had to be a silent moment. It had to be a signal. John, hey, Mocoso. Who is it, bro? And the word beckoned, right? Peter gave him a hand signal. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, that's John, and he would be reclining on Jesus' shoulder, 
not like right up under his chin, where all his beard would get in his face. He said unto him, Lord, Lord, who is it? It's not loud, okay? It's not loud. They're not putting Peter on blast. He goes, Lord, who is it? Very quietly, Jesus says to him, it's the one that I shall give a sop. When I have dipped it, when he has dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after that son, and after the sop, Satan entered into Judas. I mean, Satan himself. Can you believe that? That is horrible. Then said Jesus to him, what you're doing, what you do, do quickly. Hurry up, Judas. Now, no man at the table knew for what intent he spoke this to him. See, nobody even knew what was going on in Judas's heart to betray Jesus at that time. Jesus loved Judas to the end. Jesus didn't say, hey, look, see that guy leaving right now? You know what he's going to do, right? Go take care of him right this minute. What would that do, though? Would that fulfill the purpose of God for Jesus? Nope. A fourth grader can figure that out. That would create a travesty of the purpose of God. Because therefore there would be no sacrifice for your sins and mine. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag, of course he carried the money, that Jesus had said to him, uh, why don't you go and buy those things that we have need for the Passover feast? Or that we should give him something, give something to the poor. Which means that I doubt that that supper or whatever they were eating was really the Passover meal. Because they hadn't still gone out to get the stuff that they needed for the Passover meal. So this was just kind of like a, a, a hors d'oeuvres. This time was a time of appetizers, of having a good time. He then having received the sop, went immediately out. And then this dastardly, bizarre, dark word into the night. The night of his life. This story, though, is not about Judas. This story, basically, is not about his betrayal of Jesus. This story is about the love of Jesus. For Judas and for us who betray him all the time and yet his mercies are new every morning and then it goes on to say that he said father glorify me as I have glorified you what does that mean that means when the purpose of God pay attention here when the purpose of God is fulfilled in somebody's life, they are glorifying God. And since the purpose of God for Jesus' life was that he should prepare to die for your sins and mine and resurrect again three days after, the purpose of God was being glorified in the life of Jesus. What is the purpose of an orange tree? To give oranges. And so when the oranges grow on a tree and they're ready to eat, the tree is glorified. When you and I come into this house and the Lord has cleansed us of all our sins and our hands are raised up in praise and worship, 
God is being glorified in your life. As Jesus was being glorified, he said, and I know, look at this word. He goes, Koba, he goes, and I know you will glorify me immediately. You thews. You'll glorify yourself in me immediately. Which means that he knew he could trust God to raise him up on the third day, which God did because his body was sinless. Death could not understand it. Satan was broken. The fear of death was broken. And so now you and I can be free because of what Jesus did on the cross and the result in resurrection from the dead. No one has risen from the dead but Jesus Christ. That's coming up next week where we celebrate it. But right now, there is a man, a human being, a human being, a representative human being of all the cosmic creations in this universe. Only one man is sitting next to the Heavenly Father. And that man is Jesus Christ. Amen. Eternally glorious for fulfilling the purposes of God. Let me ask a question. Is there, is there someone? Would you stand up for a minute? Everybody stand up for a minute. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions. I'm not putting anybody on blast. And, but I do want to ask a, a couple of questions. If you'll bow your head with me. And if you close your eyes for a minute for this private moment. There's someone here that would say, Pastor, um, the message spoke to my heart. God's purpose is not being fulfilled in my life. And I'm not glorifying God with my life. So, Pastor, I want to get out of the way and let you have your way and accept Jesus Christ into my life that I might glorify you and that I might realize my purpose in this life. Is there someone that would like to say, Pastor, I want to glorify God with my life. Would you raise your hand? Just slip it up there. Just slip it up. There's hands going up all over the place. Don't be bashful. Nobody's going to call out your name. Don't be arrogant and think that uh, you don't need it. You may put your hand down now. Someone else. Just slip your hand up. God bless you, Miha. Put your hand down now. Anybody else? They would like to say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart with all your fullness and drive out anything in there that keeps me from fulfilling your purpose in me. One more call. Amen. God bless you. You may put your hand down now. One more call. You don't want to leave here today. If the Lord is speaking to you right now, you don't want to leave here without doing what you need to do. Because you do not know what awaits you outside, out of these doors. God bless you, sir. You don't know what awaits you out of these doors. You may be called home to meet your maker today on the freeway. And what are you going to say when you stand in front of God and he said, you had an opportunity to receive Christ and you didn't take it. What are you going to say then? Let me say one more time. How much is Jesus worth to you? Thank you for not looking around. Appreciate it. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, I want to be a part of this next call. Would you raise your, slip your hand up right there real quick like. We're going to say a prayer together. God bless you. God bless you, sir. 
God bless you way at the back. God bless you way at the back. You could you put your hands down now? God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you up here in the front. Bless you, sister. Hands are going up everywhere. God bless you, sir. God bless you, Miha. Amen. God bless you, beloved. Let's pray a prayer together today. Especially those of us that raise their hands. Lord Jesus, I love you more than 30 pieces of silver. You mean more to me than anything. But I haven't been fulfilling your purposes in my life. And I know you've called me to more than what is happening now. So I surrender my weapons. I surrender my pride. I, I surrender my resentment for others. And you too. I, resent, I, I surrender my, my resentment to you, God, for blaming you. I surrender my bitterness. And I ask you to fill my heart with your glory. I thank you, God, for your mercy, for cleaning my sins away, just simply by having faith in Jesus, my Savior, whom I love. For it is in his name that I pray. Amen. Somebody, let's hear it for those that have just raised their hands to become a part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say Hosanna.